So since we are watching Punch Drunk Love for this episode, Paul Thomas Anderson, who is a very acclaimed director, I have a question for you guys, and we'll start with, uh, we'll get John's answer first. Oh, wow. How many... Because he's in the lead. How many Oscar nominations does Paul Thomas Anderson have? Is this multiple choice? No. So like uh, in general, nominations does he have? I'll give you a hint though. He's never won an Oscar. He just has nominations. So how many nominations does he have to his name, including the so I know licorice pizza, which obviously you guys know he got nominated for. He he's a, he's a writer director. Like he basically writes all his films. Writes, too, directs, guess. and produces. So probably some best picture ones <sighs> in there too. So take, take a wild guess. I'll give him. I'll give him nine. Nine Oscar nominations. Okay, that's that's quite a lot. It's a lot of losses. Yeah. Uh, Nate, how many Oscar yeah. nominations do you think Paul? Now Thomas I feel like that was too many. Have? I was gonna say seven. I seven. don't know why, but I was leaning towards because there has to be one in there where he got nominated for writing but not directing, and like vice versa. So I have a feeling that's in there somewhere. Okay, but you said he never won. He's never he won has, an Oscar. Has he won? No, he's never won. Okay, an Oscar. so I'll go with seven. Seven. Okay. Well, unfortunately, both of you guys are wrong. Uh, he has eight. 11 Oscar nominations. I was going to say 11. <laughs> Fuck. Damn it. That was Damn. my first. I'm like, that's too many. Yep. It's it's, <laughs> it's insane. It's a lot of fucking losses. And I do think that he will finally win maybe like best original screenplay for like Rich Pizza. Like maybe it's one of those like career Oscars where finally they honor like Al Pacino or something or other kind of actors who win an Oscar for something. It's like, oh, well, they probably deserved it like years ago, but... I'm glad they have one. They just at give least. Spike Jones another one for her instead. Yeah, just, yeah, out of the blue. But no, I mean he he got They're like hey Spike. He Jones got nominated for writing Boogie Nights, writing Magnolia, writing There Will Be Blood, Inherent Vice, uh, not Phantom Thread, but Licorice Pizza, all screenplay nominations, directing for like There Will Be Blood, directing for mm-hmm. Phantom Thread. I forgot Licorice he Pizza, made that movie. And then yeah, producing for Licorice Pizza, Phantom Thread, There Will Be Blood. Crazy. <laughs> He's, He's a, a rock very star. Talented He's a f- rock star director. Yeah. Anyways, though, well, welcome back to Collector's Corner, hosted by us, those movie dudes. And this week, I decided to select the film out of my collection. It is from the Criterion collection that I have. I think I have 11 Criterions, so I'm not doing too hot. But, um, you know, Double it's digits. no uh, like 170 that Nate has, uh, where he's just you know, it's collecting whatever. through Infinity Stones. <laughs> yeah, but you match the amount of nominations that PTA has with your Criterion. I think I do have more than 11. You get a stop. Just not quite a bit. Enough credit. But anyways, the film is the Criterion edition of Punch Drunk Love. Directed and written by Paul Thomas Anderson, stars Adam Sandler. It's uh, it's one that I watched a while ago. I think I watched it in 2017. So I watched it once and I really liked it, but I knew that John hadn't seen it before, and I think that Nate had seen it before as well. So I wanted to revisit this one uh, just because it was unique, it was weird, uh, I liked the performances, and I wanted to understand it a little bit more because it's not a movie you will fully grasp on your first watch because it's it's weird, and uh, and we'll get into it. But, Nate, what was your kind of relationship with this movie? This movie has a charm to it that, like, the first time I watched it, I was kind of probably like other people that watched this movie. Adam Sandler... In this type of role, I don't understand how that's going to work. But I will say I was pleasantly surprised. And after like hearing what other filmmakers and actors and actresses 
how they feel about this movie. And I don't think it gets enough credit and deserves a whole lot more, especially being a PTA film, um, which doesn't get mentioned a lot. But I, I'm definitely buying this on Criterion in July. Like, it's 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 yep. a must. And uh, I have to thank you, Wowzers. obviously, for uh, picking this Criterion up for me on your way down uh, to visit because you stopped during the sale. I like, like to shop for others. Ago, and I sent you, like, a Venmo Aww. for $20 and, like, Try to get me punched on glove if you can find it. And sure enough, <laughs> came in. He's like, bam, there you go. So, John, you're Dude, the one that's the glad punch I could drunk help. love virgin over there. You have never seen this before. What do you know about uh-huh. this? I'm definitely not a... Well, I'm not a virgin to PTA. No, I mean, you've seen Pits what? Di- well, Pits Dits and Ass, but Paul Thomas uh, Anderson. What else have you seen? You haven't seen... So good. What else? Yeah, you've seen Boogie Nights. I haven't seen Fantastic Mr. Fox. That's Wes Anderson. Oh, wait. That's Wes Anderson. Anderson. <laughs> You don't, you've at least seen Boogie Nights. I've seen Boogie Nights. I own the I own the Blu-ray. Great film. Julianne Moore and Mark Wahlberg has a, a prosthetic penis. I think, or is that real? It's, it's fake. Yeah, it's a prosthetic penis. Oh damn! I feel like this point. is your second well, Paul Thomas Anderson yeah. film, though. Ever? I feel like there's gotta be. I highly one. doubt that I you've know. seen. Did you watch Inherent Vice? No, I haven't seen The Master. I, I used have to have a movie poster. Inherent Vice. Though. Have you seen Magnolia? Magnolia? No, Have you seen no, Phantom no. Thread? So yeah, I no, feel like this is your second to. Paul Thomas Anderson There Will Be Blood. Film. It's fine. Yeah, Have you seen There Will Be Blood? Okay, so no. yeah, this is absolutely your second Paul Thomas Anderson film. Uh, so that's interesting. Just, it's just very just... At it's it, very yeah. sad, It's, it's very different from his filmography. <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah, I mean, so all I really knew about it is the title. I've seen this poster time and time again with Adam Sandler just kind of chilling there with his... Oh, I guess he's, it's the, I've seen the two posters where it's just like his face and then the other ones with, uh, whoever that woman is in the, in the doorway. Emily Watson. So, Emily Watson, which I thought it was Emma Watson at first. Like, no way. What? As a child actor or something? No, it's, it's Emily Watson. Um, but it's, it's theoretically in my wheelhouse of films where it's like, uh, romance and love and stuff. But uh, I and quickly came to realize, oh, yeah, sorry. I love phone sex line movies. <laughs> no, I, I. Quickly came to realize this is not your run-of-the-mill um, romance film. It's, it's stylized very differently. Uh, it has some very strange, awkward, quirky characters, which, don't get me wrong, I like quirky. Do you? I like Anna Kendrick. I like Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> Adam Sandler quirky. is a different version <laughs> of quirky. Wow, that's, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it took me a little while to kind of ease my way into this. but um, I like that you named, like, two actresses yeah, that give off very, like, cute, quirky vibes, and this one's just, like, anxiety quirky. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. just, like, <laughs> it's it's a yeah. different type of quirky. Like, it really, if if you, it just reminded me of Uncut Gems in the weirdest way, and it, I feel like it, it, it's maybe it helped that Adam Sandler was in it, but just the way this movie was directed and the the pacing of the first half of this film gave me Uncut Gems vibes. Okay, interesting. So, Nate, going into this for your second time, what'd you like about it? I I, I started to notice little little patterns in the way that he made this movie. Um, there was a bunch of little little cues, little sound cues, or little things that would happen that would just kind of help drive the emotion in the story. Like I know there's, we'll get into more in the story later, but there's a point where he's talking on a telephone at like a phone booth. And when the girl that he's wanting to see picks up the telephone booth light turns on and there's a little sound cue. So there's like a little, 
a bunch of little things like that that just kind of enhance the story without you really noticing. Um, and just the awkward, quirky relationship between them, but also it felt like something that could be legitimate. Just these two kind of lost people that just find comfort in each other. Um, but just so many bizarre things like pudding and weird yeah, custom diamond plungers for hotels that don't exist or like random pianos in the road. Like it's a movie that has a lot of random stuff that doesn't necessarily make sense, but it doesn't need to because the story that you're following is what keeps you invested. Um, so it was really the two characters that, drove this movie home for, for me. sure because i remember when i first watched this a couple of years back it took me a minute to fully accept what the movie was because it's jarring at first because it's it's very strange the way paul thomas anderson shoots the movie the the way the sound design is uh it's it's just very strange and i picked up on a lot of things the second time around uh especially with those technical elements i mean the score itself is just very like chaotic mm. and like you're almost in his shoes as an audience member just by the way like they frame it just like that opening shot when he's just like in an empty room it just symbolizes all of his loneliness <laughs> and he has nobody with him and uh there's just elements throughout that whole movie where i'm just like oh my god i did not pick up on this when i first watched it but watching it again it definitely come to appreciate it a lot more and it is just very fucking weird at times and strange. Like when he gets chased uh, by the the brothers in the truck, and he just like dives off a balcony or something, and then just like land almost like a cowboy switch, but he lands and he just runs off like off camera. Um, it's like, wait, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, is that an extra yeah. or something? Just or a double? Uh, but there's a lot of weird moments like that too. Like it's it's just very very cool and uh, and interesting. You you said the word chaos. And I, and I think that fits really well because the score was chaotic, but so was Adam Sandler's character. Like he's kind of a loose cannon. Yeah. Like he he seems like a nice, sweet guy, but then you, you of course know what's going on in his life, and you know how he handles certain things. So he's also a very chaotic character. So it's 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 funny that you were to use that to describe the score for the oh, story. Yeah, everything is very deliberate I think that, sure, uh, to put you in the mm. main character's shoes. And I think that's why I felt Uncat Gems vibes because this character clearly has so much like social awkwardness and just like anxiety about like everything in his life. Like the the opening scene he's getting all these like phone calls from all of his seven sisters like hey are you coming tonight are you coming tonight and it keeps ringing when he's trying to work and then the music is in the background that's just like kind of like badgering you and uh and then this the scene when he's literally like he gets to the party and he's just standing there all awkward like i feel like i've felt that so maybe it even put myself in those shoes or i'm just like i didn't want to be here in the first place and so now i'm stuck here and now i have to talk to these people and, and, and even He's just such an awkward and person. And even worse, though, it's like it when he walks into out. the party, uh, he, like, stands there for a minute and listens to all of his sisters just, like, make oh, fun of him. Yeah. Like, yeah, remember we used to call him gay <laughs> He goes in the door stuff, three times. Like, he's just standing there. Yeah, it's kind of like his OCD a little bit. And, like, he was... But, like, he kind of enters at, like, a lull in the conversation and then... Immediately, the sisters are just look at him like, oh, hey, like, remember when we used to call you gay boys? So they're still just, like, patronizing him and just, like... Yeah, yeah they don't they, care. It's Awful. terrible. Like, I mean, yeah, no wonder he destroyed the uh, glass door again <laughs> at that party. But three of yeah. them. 
That's a three of them. He just hauls off and just starts swinging. (laughs) But you're very much in his shoes, like from his perspective through every conversation. Like I genuinely felt like I was him while watching the movie and I didn't want to be. I would have rather not in terms of filmmaking, but I wanted to kind of get away because I didn't want to feel how he was feeling in those moments. But you're kind of forced to feel that way throughout the whole movie. Oh, 100%. It would have been interesting to be like an observer, but I obviously PTA did that on purpose and you you feel everything this guy is going through. It's very stylistic. And just those sisters. Can you guys imagine having seven sisters? Oh imagine my god. One. Like <laughs> And you just they were just awful people. Like they would just show up at his job and be like belittle him in front of everybody be like oh what are you doing who's on the phone why is there so much pudding like what's the emphasis on this pudding like you this question doesn't need to be answered right now but just like oh you come to the party tonight good D- don't pussy out yeah. <laughs> like, hey we're gonna go get on, guys come? you're coming guy... right like <laughs> like fuck off give him a chance to breathe what was the oh, significance of like how they were talking like his sisters just talked really strangely to him because they 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 it's almost like they're looking down on him. They think he's that there's something wrong with him, so they have to always make sure that he's okay. Like, oh, you're gonna do this, right? Like following through, because yeah. he probably has a bad history of following through with things. That's where he's like, oh, I'm gonna go renew my gem membership. His temper was okay. also something that like really kind of That's took me by though. surprise. Like they they hint at it with the yeah. the hammer story time mm-hmm. and time again, and then you actually see this kind of character arc unfold throughout the movie where he's kind of fucking crazy oh, yeah, for sure it's so he, funny though. Like, like the way they, which they justified the, the, the movie it's, it's played out kind of like a laugh like when he's having dinner uh with the girl uh lena or lena whatever lena right is that her name lena something like that something, something yeah. like that lena, 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 probably Watson, not lena that's whatever, not her name yeah her name is in the movie but uh, yeah, he, he's having dinner with her, and she was saying like, "Oh yeah, like your sister told me that when you were young, you threw a hammer through a sliding glass door." And he was like, "Ah, oh, like, oh, she said that, huh? Like, I gotta go to the bathroom." And just cuss to him, smash guy, just literally just destroying the bathroom and trying to rip out the soap dispenser, but can't. And then he goes and sits back down, and then like the waiter comes over, he's like, "Can I talk to you for a second? He's like, "Did you just destroy the bathroom?" No, I have no idea what you're talking about. It wasn't me. He's like, "I'm gonna fucking kick your ass. Get out of here." He's like, "Why are you doing this?" It's funny, but it's also tragic. Did you? Did you notice yeah. what the cuts on his hands spelled love. out? Love. I didn't notice that the oh, first time, exactly. but like he punched drunk love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Although he's never really drunk. I did not notice movie, that. But uh, punch drunk is just like the state of mind that he's in. Uh, yeah, like you, you, kind you of go through so much because he is a hopeless romantic. Yes. I mean, he calls that phone sex line, and of course. It's all just like an extortion, like just a scam to try to get money out of him. There's like this poor guy that just wants some like sort of companionship. And then the, the one person that he has to pay to talk to just ends up like trying to scam him out of money. And that was a that was a side plot to the story that I completely forgot about. Like I forgot that Philip Hoffman was like the guy like running this like mob kind of scheme. And he's in Utah and stuff <laughs> like that. I forgot about that. But those elements to the movie really come into play for the comedy elements because there's just a lot of funny moments like with the brothers with philip seymour hoffman just like screaming on the phone uh and then when he goes and confronts him it's just shut up shut up shut (laughs) up dude i wanted more of philip seymour hoffman because the the scene like well there's there's like two very solid scenes it's on the phone call and then the actual confrontation where 
those are probably some of my favorite moments of the movie like the funniest moments that I could actually find myself laughing at because the other ones like I was kind of unsure if I should be laughing at it at least on a first <laughs> viewing but I would have I would have loved to see more Philip Seymour Hoffman because he was pretty oh, hysterical yeah. and then when they get, get out of here pervert what did say? I tell you yeah what a dick that's it just say that to him. like it's yeah. like, just all talk yeah. will not like uh, I don't know step up to his words but uh, do you call the cops no, nope. my one of my favorite Nobody? scenes in the movie Mm-mm. is actually when he gets back from Hawaii with uh, his girlfriend, and they're driving home, and then the truck runs into him, um, and then mm-hmm. he gets out and just beats the shit out of them because it's the one time he finally gets to protect his girl, and he literally just goes to town, and it's amazing. <laughs> it's literally the best part of the movie, but uh, with the tire, the tire. and then he just gives it back to the <laughs> yeah, guy. Where did he like, even get uh, that? In the back like, seat, he... just like, hey, don't hit me. He like, just gives it back and just walks off. Yeah. Calls him the guy on the phone. Oh, great. It turns into like a full on action movie in that moment too. It was like full, like, uh, well, like almost, they were just following him with the cameras all one shot for that entire yeah. scene after just this like pretty calm date with the girl. And then it just turns into like a full action oh, yeah. film. It's fucking awesome. Emily Watson just she balances out his character so well because she's also a little odd a little quirky as well but on like a different side of the spectrum she must really love him because she's just like you left me at the hospital don't ever do that again (laughs) don't do that again like how tolerant can you be to deal with this guy and just the stuff that he goes through when he finally mans up. And like you said, when he goes to visit Philip Seymour Hoffman, that might be my favorite scene in the movie, the face-off. Yeah. Where he's just yeah. like, I have a love inside me that gives me strength. So cheesy, but like, it's so true, too. <laughs> so weird, but it Philip works. Philip Seymour Hoffman's just like, okay. And he starts following it out. Yeah, just get out of here, you pervert. What did I tell you? That's it. And even to... That's um... it. <laughs> Like what you said with uh, Emily Watson's character, her being very kind of quirky and weird herself. I noticed this the second time around. I, I mean, it went over my head the first time. Um, but in the first, like, ten minutes, she comes into his office and was like, hey, like, my car's not working. Can you give, like, my keys to the mechanic? Maybe I'll see you again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, she's, like, being flirty right there. And I'm just like, wait, they don't, mm-hmm. do they know each other? They don't know each other. But then she just, like, happens to come in with his, uh, with his sister in a couple scenes later. Um, but like that scene right there, I'm like, wait, so she, was she like targeting him from the beginning? Like, was he, was she like, her heart was already yeah. set for him and like kind of maybe got her sister she, to introduce her or something. Cause, like, Cause she literally was like, maybe I'll see you again. But like, why would she see him again? Because she, he's going to give the key to the mechanic and then she'll go and see the mechanic and get her key back. So it's like, it was just a weird line of dialogue that I picked up the second time. I'm like, wait a second. So like, maybe she was really, but they do her. explain that. In yeah. The film they do. Where- I don't know. I I don't know if that's where you were what you were getting at. Where she literally, I can't remember if it's during the date. I think it is right during the I date. Think so yeah. Before right. he destroys the bathroom, where she's like, "Hey, by the way, I want to come clean. Like I, I I don't know. I saw a picture of you with your sister, and I just had to meet you, and I kind of set that whole situation up, which totally explains it. Because you're right. I I didn't notice it on the first time around, but that was a strangely coinc- like coincidental conversation that she was right. having. With I, I just thought it was a random mm-hmm. character when I first like, watched it. I didn't realize <laughs> that she was obviously going to be the love interest later on. But uh, right, and right. even like at the beginning too, like what was with the whole scene like at, at like dawn you know? um, where 
yeah, like the truck just flips over, and then all of a sudden a van comes the car up accident. and then like drops off this like little tiny. It's not called a piano because they even mentioned joke about that in the movie. I forget what it's actually called. It's not a piano. It's yeah. not a piano. It's like a it's pentaphone like yeah. or something weird Such like that. that. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Like and then he just like like wants to take it, but like is afraid to take it, and then just like finally is like got scared and impulsively grabbed it and ran and like freaked out as he's running. But yeah. like that whole scene is just very strange as well there's a lot of just weird elements to the movie where you can just make your own theories about what's going on and paul thomas anderson did deliberately do that and he kind of refuses to really talk about it in detail because he likes it just to be ambiguous and be what it is um would that be a MacGuffin? am i using that right where they kind of insert a plot point but it only doesn't really lead to anything it just kind of enhances yeah what the rest of the story is gonna it's a hundred percent of my just like a that, talking that piano point. is always it's it's in there were so many scenes where it was featured but almost not even mentioned yeah like it's just there or maybe it was mentioned but just like in passing sort of but i mean every scene that's in his office that piano never left his desk yeah like it's so weird and never i i wonder what kind of significance other than just the the chaotic nature of what's going on inside his head with that opening scene where the car is like tumbling down the street because that didn't happen aside from in being in his head in the first place. The, I, I, I don't, still know. don't know. What maybe, does that mean? It is the question in his head. In his head, maybe it really did happen. <laughs> like I really don't know. It was just so jarring. Yeah. So early in the morning, yeah. like maybe well, the next shot, the same car just rolls up, drops it off, and drives off. Right? Like that was no, the same a different car, car does. But are you sure? I thought yeah, it was the, the same was... car. I don't think they would have that. The car that flips is like a truck, and then the one that pulls up is a van. So they had the sliding door, and then they put the Oh, you know what? Because the next – when he finally goes and stands at the the street, and it shows like the almost Wes Anderson-like shots. It's straight on, then to the left, to the right, 90 degrees difference. Yeah. There's a bunch of debris in the street. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just because, like, it was just a dirty alleyway or dirty street, but that must have been from the car accident. Yeah. So maybe it did happen. There's and I there probably because <laughs> it was so early. I mean, because mm-hmm. there's one yeah. whole uh, oh, theories about, like, I mean, color is also a uh, theme in this movie because Adam Sandler wears a blue tuxedo throughout the entire movie, and Emily Watson's character wears, like, some sort of red, whether it's like a red dress or, or blue, bright or red white, dress, yeah. Yeah. opposite yeah. color. And, uh, like you know, opposites attract or something, you know, or like uh, the car also that flips over was red at the beginning and it flips over and crashes. Like maybe that's symbolism of uh, you know his life is about to be turned upside down by this woman. I don't know. I mean, there's just random things that happen in the movie where you could try to make some sense out of it, or you could just let it be what it is. But uh, it's there if you're interested in it, and it definitely was uh, kind of interesting to pick up on. It almost makes sense if he's going for these very cheesy metaphors because Adam Sandler's character is so cheesy to begin with. So if they are that on the surface with, surface like you said, level, where yeah. his life's about to turn upside down, then it almost works rather than just being like too on and, the And um, mm-hmm. last week when I uh, announced what movie we were doing on the Leon episode and I said like, oh yeah, get ready for overexposed shots. And Nate immediately said like, oh, like watch that Lee Alkridge video on the Criterion Closet where he like mentions that. I was like, okay. So I, I watched that over the last mm. week too. And he, Lee Alkridge is a Pixar director. He did like Finding Nemo and Coco. Um, the sound designer for this movie, Punch Drunk Love, is like the Pixar 
head of sound, whatever. So, I mean, obviously, probably Lee Unkrich talked to this guy and got some uh, inside information. And you mentioned something about, like, aliens are kind of watching this go on, like, from the outside perspective, just, like, on how it's filmed with the cinematography, with, like, the lens flares and, like, the bright white. Uh, like, it's like they're being observed and, like... Yeah, and the sound design and too. You, it's like very yeah. science fiction noises at times, and it, it's it's so mm-hmm. subtle and so weird. And we'll get into the special features, uh, but there's a there's a special feature mm. supplement that kind of edits the movie like that. It's weird. It's so mm. strange, but it's it's another aspect of the movie that just will go right over your head if you're just watching it on surface level, or if you are doing like analysis of it. Like it's there for that too. So it's. It's a very crazy movie. But it's funny because, like, having that thought about the aliens, if you watch in some of the scenes in the supermarket, when Adam Sandler's just looking at the shelf, you'll see a guy in the back, like, creepily look down his aisle and look at him. Yeah, that I did see that. Pushing that... a cart, there's a woman in a red dress in the back, just kind of staring at him and, like, walking away. Is just almost like he's watch like a lab experiment you know what Just else like, hmm. it was it was very strange how all his sisters were basically the same person like as almost almost as if they were embodied by one thing seven deadly sins maybe again is that too surface level or is that exactly what he's going it, for you know they probably just he made it quirky so he's like how can we make this character distraught and like hate himself give him family members that put him down boom so, it was got an arc. It was twelve <laughs> scopatones. Yeah, like, it was just called scopatones on the uh, special features disc, um, and it was yeah, it was seven minutes, and apparently, apparently, it's twelve artwork transitions by Jeremy Blake for the film Punch Drunk Love. But it was using like all of the, the weird lens flares and bright overexposed lights. It's like a montage piece um, with all mm-hmm. like the score and the sound that sound like the alien side, like a very sci-fi kind of sound, but. It is weird. It feels like you're watching events play out from the film as an outsider, like as like a fly on the wall, like more, less so than like watching just like as the movie itself, because there's no dialogue. It's just the score and like him kind of doing things with the like it happened in the movie, but it's just edited in a different way. It's only seven minutes, but I was watching that. I was like, wait, that kind of goes in line with like the maybe the mm. alien uh, theory with the film, but. I mean, it's very much like you got to dig deep to really like get there, but yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like these is... two characters are like ants. Just imagine these two ants just kind of doing their own thing and then just us as people just kind of watching them. Like they do some weird shit. Adam Sandler it... and Emily Watson, they do some weird shit. So it's just it it, maybe like it's you're... too much, but it, it might have you're... a reason. You're awfully close to... Adam Sandler as a character, which, like, almost, like, uncomfortably close. Like, whereas I, I guess that theory could could have some legs, but after only one viewing, it's it's hard for me to say. And it's definitely one that had a lot of impact the second time around because I could, I knew where it was going to go and what was going to happen, so I could more or less sit back and just kind of analyze the character traits. And how he just, he's so erratic. He just goes from down on himself to violent. And then to apologetic. Like, he gets to a point where he's talking to a a husband of one of his sisters about 
maybe seeing a shrink. And then he's like, yeah, sometimes I just burst into tears. And then he just immediately <laughs> starts crying. And then he just walks and out of the room. At the, at just, the beginning of that conversation, uh, too, where he's like, hey, like, you're a doctor, right? Like, I, I need to ask you some questions. And he's just like, Barry, I'm a, I'm a dentist. I'm a dentist. <laughs> like, I'm a dentist. I don't know what know kind somebody, of help right? I can give you. But, like, if you need to find a shrink, I can hook you up or something. But, like, yeah, I was just, I'm a dentist. Mm-hmm. Like, why you? He just he had to tell somebody. And, like, he doesn't know who. So mm-hmm. it's sad. But yeah, maybe all these people were butterflies. Oh yeah, it gave me those vibes a little bit, where all these people are almost like passengers in a sense. And there were some weird transitions that were all color and score. They do that a lot, and it looked like solar flares. Just explain that. I don't know, man. That was weird. Maybe just to show like a dream world. Just like oh, this is just. It's it it just it gave it a very like ethereal like mystical type of feel it does seem dreamlike that this relationship works out as well as it does like it almost shouldn't work out i mean i guess they're both weird characters but like it was almost too convenient that he has all this pudding and he gets to go to hawaii and all of a sudden it's like yeah i'll take you in with open arms it just seems a little bit too good to be true hey lance want to help me come get a (laughs) come get some pudding Hey, uh, Barry, I'll be in the checkout line. He's like, oh, I'm coming. And he's like tap dancing down the aisle, just like like he's hit the jackpot. He's discovered the secret to everything. And it does Dreadful make him display. look like an make him look like an outsider because he's asking all these really like technical questions like, oh, well, this says this. And did you know this? And you can just tell the people on the other end are like, is this guy really pushing it? And I'm sure there's somebody out there. Well, that's so like, the, there is. Oh, I need there those is somebody miles. named the Pudding Man, and uh, it was uh, a real story that happened in 1999. It was some civil engineer who saw this promotion that was exactly like in the movie. Like you buy this product, you get like 500 uh, flying miles, and then he found the cheapest item, mm-hmm. which was pudding, and he bought like 3,000. No. He bought three thousand. Yeah, he bought three thousand dollars worth of pudding. It was like twelve thousand cups itself. Uh, and then he mm-hmm. apparently there was a handful. If he had, a, if he scratched off some barcodes, then they would go to what a thousand miles or something like that. So he uh, hired a bunch yeah. of people from a food shelter to help him with that. And so he got to write it with a tax write off. So he got it down to two thousand like three hundred dollars or something like that. Uh, so he only spent two thousand three hundred dollars, and he got one point two five million flying miles. He never has to pay for a single flying ticket ever <laughs> like it's Imagine insane crazy. and he did this so this is a real story and a movie yeah, about so you paul thomas uh. Harrison wrote uh that into the story for adam sandler's character because that is such a weird thing just to, just to do i mean like obviously there's the scams out there where you can like beat the system but it's almost like he he succeeded at one scam and then failed at the other one yeah like, entirely you know no way. <laughs> i'm gonna sell these plungers to these hotels oh now i'm gonna invest in frequent flyer miles that was yeah, a smarter yeah. thing to do though i mean never have having to mm-hmm. pay to go fly that's awesome i also love the shot of him in one of the aisles and it's kind of like level on his face but it, you can tell he's not walking because he's going in like a perfect like he's on a platform that's just moving him and he's just kind of that felt like a dream because he's looking at all the products in this white, bright store and the contrast with his suit. And he's just, oh, my God, look at all this 
miles that these people aren't taking advantage of. It's like a freaking cat who got in a catnip. He's excited. Yeah, I should get some catnip for my cat. No. Oh god, I, I didn't. I didn't mean to bring it down that road. <laughs> no, I, I should. She deserves so, it. So, uh, how was yeah. your how was your transfers on uh, on HBO Max? Because isn't that where you watched the uh, the film this time around? It was what sick. Was there was an intro with Paul Thomas Anderson where he talked for about five minutes about the making of the movie. and I skipped that. I was like, what the hell is this? I just want to watch Wait, the movie. Wait, that's real? <laughs> oh, no, it was great. Oh, it was, I, yeah. yeah. It's only like three or four minutes at the beginning of the movie, and it's Paul Thomas Anderson. He's like, hi, I'm Paul Thomas Anderson, and I'm yeah, yeah. here really? to talk to you about Punch <laughs> Drunk cool, Love. That's cool, actually. On yeah. HBO Max, that is included. This wasn't... Yeah. I, I never saw that on my disc, but that's cool. And like... Adam Sandler, uh, he watched Magnolia, and then he went to Paul Thomas Anderson and was like, I, I can't do that. <laughs> and Paul Thomas Anderson's like, oh, that's okay. Right. We'll figure it out. And mm -hmm. they just he just wanted to work with him, and he's like, I think I can make something out of this. And he but did. But was this, he wanted to work with him. I mean, I did watch the first, like, two, three minutes, and I was like, wait, I just, I just want to watch the movie. Don't tell me anything else. Um, but he was like, yeah, I love Tom, or Adam Sandler in, like, Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. It's weird mm -hmm. that he was big able daddy. to. Yeah. Big Daddy. Yeah. It's weird that he was. He saw those movies and was like, I want to put him in this oddly dramatic role. Like, how did he see what he wanted to see in, in those films? Because at least in uh, Punch Drug Love, there is instances when he gets like angry and stuff when he's yelling where you kind of see that Adams, those Adam Sandler, Sandler isms a little bit when he kind of like freaks out randomly. Yeah. So there, it's kind of there, but very much not really there. And he just described it as just, he's like, oh, all through all the years, the movies I've watched, like these rom-coms that are just like an hour and a half, that's all they need to be to get like a good point across. And he like was like, I want to stick to that viewpoint and just make the short, sweet, quick pretty tight story with some quirkiness and some different curveballs thrown in there. Like get Philip Seymour Hoffman to play a supporting character. And he just yells, shut up. And <laughs> that That's was it. just, Ch 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 yeah, he said it like 15 times. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's just, a, he's a wimp in real life. He just backs down. He's like, Oh, Okay, no, no problem. Yeah, they, they include the uh, the press conference and some interviews from the Cannes Film Festival uh, with the cast and the director. And yeah, Ooh. Paul Thomas Anderson pretty much said exactly what you just said. He was just like, yeah, I just want to make a short and sweet, simple movie uh, with an unconventional actor. He really wanted to work with Adam Sandler just based on, you know, he thought he was charming. He thought he was funny. Like He just wanted to write a character. So he did. He wrote this character, Barry Egan, specifically for Adam Sandler. Uh, hoping that he would play him because at the Magnolia Cannes Film Festival, he was asked like, oh, what two actors would you like to work with in your career? And he said, I like to work with Daniel Day-Lewis and I like to work with Adam Sandler. And like, I got like a bunch of laughs. Everyone's like, ah, you're fucking, you're, you're funny. Because at the time he'd done Magnolia, Boogie Nights, Hard Eight, these like multi-character movies that have just like, they span, they're very long, they're epic, they're all like three hours or something. Uh, besides Hard Eight, that one's a little it's like ensemble yeah, like, cast, almost, ensemble cla rather than um, cast for sure. Yeah. Except for yeah, Hard that Eight. one's more simple. That was just a little way like, hour forty five. Yeah, like Boogie but, Nights and Magnolia yeah. back to back. Those are like epic fucking movies, just with a lot of characters and a lot of moving mm -hmm. parts. And so he's like, I want to do something simple, and I want to write a movie for Adam Sandler and uh, see what I can do. And one of the best choices of his career, in my opinion, because this one was uh, 
just so weird and unique. It's one of the more unique romantic films, kind of in the same vein of uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Just like mm-hmm. you could watch it so many times and get a new perspective every time you watch it. And uh, it's one thing that I definitely appreciate about this one. Has BTA sure. done a movie with Jim Carrey? No. He should. I'd love to see it. Yeah, it's worth well, it. Well, yeah. So, Very John, since it. you had never seen Punch Drunk Love before, I mean, feel free to give you a little final thoughts and a little, little great if you'd like. Um. Yeah. So I was oops, surprised with what this movie ended up being. I guess I didn't know what I was getting into with uh, PTA Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, what was it? Because I hadn't. This was the second. Uh, yeah, we named movie. all of the oh, films that that's he's right. directed, and you said yeah, okay. all of them. I already so. forgot. I was yeah. That was a whole forty was minutes fourth. ago. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boogie Nights. This film, very different movies. Not even, not even remotely the same. Uh, so that's a testament to his filmmaking uh, skills as being able to just kind of go outside the box and do something different. But this is a very stylistic, not your run of the mill um, love story, romantic dramedy. Um, I I had a hard time laughing at a lot of times because I just felt like the movie was it, it puts you so much in his shoes where he's just this awkward, weird dude. But it it just works. It's it's a really smart way to make a movie from the the filmmaking style to his clothing choices, like just the the strange sort of anxiety inducing scene in the beginning and all these weird color transitions. Like there's a lot of just strange things going on here. But if you really look deep into this movie, um, there's a lot to talk about and a lot of stuff you'll see on multiple viewings, um, as you guys know now. But Adam Sandler, you don't get to see him very often in movies like this, unless you, if you're used to those kind of like comedies and stuff, which I freaking love him in, but he's great in this movie. It might very well be his best performance for right now. You want me to give my final grade? I'm going to go three and a half out of five for my first viewing. It's a, it's a three and a half out of five. I realize it's a very beloved movie. Um, but I think it needs more viewings. Maybe bump it up to a four, but as for right now, that's what it's going to get for me. Definitely, yeah, it, it's one that you got to watch a couple of times, I think. And it's one that, I mean, it was my second time watching it just last week. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes, it's got like, what, a 79%. Audience has like a 77 So I'd say that grade kind of aligns with the, uh, with the audience or so. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are going to watch this and be like, what the fuck? Like I guarantee you, like so. My, that I makes want to talk to that, the people that you know are, knew Adam Sandler for like Happy Madison and like you know the the Billy Madison Happy Billy Gilmore Madison? Happy Madison's Happy company production company where he does all like the stupid fucking movies. Oh, that's true. Um, but all those like Adam Sandler like comedy movies, and then they're like, oh, Punch Drunk Love. I can't wait to fucking watch this like silly romp. And they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, yeah, this is not what I. <laughs> that expected. was what I thought. Hate it. I hate what it. I thought. <laughs> no, because you got to look at the director. If it's Dennis Duggan, uh, you you know you're gonna get fucking like little Nicky shit. But if you uh, if you see this Paul Thomas Anderson, you're like, oh, I'm gonna get something you, a little more unique with uh, with some substance behind it. But um, yeah, Nate, your your revisit on Punch yeah. Drunk Love. I know you gave it a four out of five on your first watch. What would you go uh, this time around? Mm-hmm. I uh, I bumped it up a little half a star. I, w- I went up to four and a half out of five, just because. It's such a tight knit story, but there was always this little bit of tension I was feeling because you were always waiting for something to happen with like that side plot with the phone line and the people coming after him um, and how he's 
like he's kind of lying to her, but then he's he doesn't know how to express it to someone like her because he's never had that true companionship. But it was just it was nice going into it, having seen it on face value the first time and then being able to pinpoint all the little details and what Paul Thomas Anderson was talking about and like the whole theory on aliens. And I saw another criterion closet video where they compared it to the story of Superman somehow. I don't know how much deeper it goes into that, but just being able to have all these theories about this 90 minute movie and have it be really impactful and charming characters Though quirky and a little odd at times, I think they fit really well together. Um, so this is on my July Criterion Hall list. I'll see it and grab it, and then just have to decide what the other thirteen are going to be. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to go with yep. I'm going to go with four and a half out of five. It's I think I can confidently say it's my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film so far, with Licorice Pizza a little bit behind because it's like a coming of age rom com. Yeah, no, I originally gave this movie a four and a half out of five, and on a rewatch, it is still a four and a half out of five. I love this movie. I think it's very quirky and harmless and hilarious. I think Adam Sandler does give his best performance in this movie. I know Uncut Gems is uh, a close second, but I, I think he just does a little bit more with this character that I really, really liked or connected to a little bit more, and so... Yeah, I would agree with Nate's statement as well as like that. This is probably my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film. This is insanely good and weird, and you'll pick up so much on repeat viewings. Like I already want to watch this again and kind of watch more for like the alien whole theory. Because yeah, I mean there, there's so much to it, and you even mentioned like the Superman thing. Yeah, because he wears like the the tuxedo. That's like his uh, costume. That's his superhero outfit, and then he finally embraces with the girl and that's like his red cape almost and so like you have all of those mm -hmm. things there so it's 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 interesting and is this a superhero origin you story? would like to think so <laughs> kind um, of but if here. you are just a fan yeah. of adam sandler comedy movies like uh billy madison and happy gilmore i don't think this one is for you <laughs> i think you gotta be more <laughs> open to strange movies like internal sunshine of the spotless mind and uh i don't know if you'd like paul thomas anderson i think you'd you know, like this one, but if you're watching this on surface level, it's going to be jarring. It's going to be weird, but, um, there's more to it under the surface. So, you know, be patient with it. You might like it four and a half out of five. Yeah. Open your minds. You uncultured swines, dude. If you're having like a date night it's not a and you're just looking for a generic rom-com, this is not no. the one the title is a little misleading. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would choose like something. It else. could be. It could depends be a good on your one significant other without like the phone yeah. sex thing. Uh, <laughs> if 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 your significant other is well versed in filmography and knows who Paul Thomas Anderson is as a director, then I would consider tossing it in the Blu-ray yeah. player because it does it does definitely go into real human emotions like anxiety and panic attacks and rage, and that's not always what you want to see when you go and watch a romantic comedy. But I wouldn't say it's a romantic comedy with Adam this Sandler. Is, uh, it threw me off. I'll say that. <laughs> Dramatic did. romance film with so, some comedic elements. Yeah. I definitely laughed out loud. But um, yeah, no, that's <laughs> he was looking I pretty suave though. God damn, what a nice suit! Yeah, it was a nice suit. You think he went to men's warehouse and got? And he also like, wears a suit. Three suits he wears for the price a suit of one for a job where he is just a bathroom supply salesman. But like, it's him yeah. putting on like a mask <laughs> in a way, like a, like a costume or whatever, like an outfit, just to be like, hey, like I'm an adult. <laughs> like I'm trying to be respected. It gives him the strength yeah. to like 
continue forward in life and not because he almost seems like he wants to just end away. it Dude, at it's, one point it's because like, and... he's an alien like Scarlett Johansson and under the skin Ooh, maybe Ooh, you had to spoil that movie you were doing so well what well you know how many people probably haven't seen under the skin that you just ruined it for did you have you seen under the skin yes okay then I don't feel bad but I'm worried about other people <laughs> Well, I was worried about ruining it for you, but we can discuss that. Um, yeah, so that was the Criterion edition of Punch Drunk Love. <laughs> you can pick this up on Amazon for like $21. It's not its usual like $30, $40 that uh, you usually spend on Criterions. It's a, little, uh, it's a little cheaper on Amazon, but I would say check it out. It's definitely a really good transfer, and it's a uh, good movie. But we have another movie that we're going to announce for our next episode of Collector's Corner. We go on to Nate's collection. So, Nate, what are we watching mm. from your physical media collection? Oh, I, I I had to dig in deep for this one. I was looking at all of them going, which one would I need to rewatch? Which one did I have thoughts about? And then my hand just gravitated toward this one, just like a magnet, super magnet. And out came... Criterion Spine number 659, Life is Sweet, from Aww. director Mike Lee. It'll it'll steal your heart, and if it doesn't, you don't have a soul. Like, that's all I'll say. Um, it's got great characters, came out in the 90s, 1990, and I'm just super excited for you guys to see it, because I want to see if you saw what I saw the first time I watched okay. it. See if it hits yeah, the same. I know Honest. nothing about this movie. Never seen it. Never even heard of it. I've heard of Mike Lee uh, as a director, and I know who Jim Broadbent is. But other than that, I'm going into this very, very blind. So I, I cannot wait to check this one out. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. Well, you can follow us at those movie dudes on Instagram and Twitter, and DM us anytime. Yeah. DM us anything. Us I don't care what it's related like, just, to, yeah. even if it's negative. Like, yeah. If you want us to quit doing this altogether, tell Please. us, and we'll, well probably we won't block listen you. to you. We might cry like, a little thought, bit. Like how you doing? I know I might. You know? Yeah, what's up, man? Dude, where oh, are you? Probably thinking where? Well, granted, where are we? Yeah, we'll get. We're gonna probably as soon as you post this, we're gonna get a DM that says, "Dudes, where have you been?" <laughs> I think we, we owe him an explanation. I feel bad, man. Goddamn, that would suck. Dude, you had to bring yeah. death into like the final seconds of the podcast. Well, we, we should, we should tell them that you can now support the show using our link in our link in the bio. But um, yeah, you can support the show. Yeah. It will go money. towards the Those Movie Dudes Criterion Collection. <laughs> it just goes to more movies we can buy. To <laughs> Nate's Movie Hall. At some point, Narrated basically. by me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but okay, that's it. That's it for Ducky. Okay. All right. To the lose. Let's go.